As I said, it's, uh, it's great to be with you today, and it's encouraging to, to see you here. It's encouraging to hear the good reports of uh, how ministry and worship and fellowship and all of those things continue to happen uh, because we are not dependent upon one person or uh, any number of persons. We're dependent upon God himself and uh, being obedient to him and following him. And I'm thankful for, uh, for your encouragement of your pastoral staff as they uh, minister during this uh, interim time. And I hear good things about uh, preaching and, and uh, gathering together. Uh, a few days ago, I, uh, Julie and I visited um, up at the uh, South Texas Nazarene Kids Camp. And uh, we saw Pastor Garen and a good group of sponsors and kids from here. Uh, it was encouraging that most of them still recognized us. And, uh, and uh, gave us some, uh, some, good, uh, some good hugs and greetings. And uh, it is my intention today, uh, after, um, after lunch today, to uh, head up to uh, our South Texas District Nazarene Youth Camp, where Pastor Matt and a group of sponsors and teens from here are, are, are uh, having a good time even today, and I hope to be there to worship with them tonight. I uh, just want to let you know that... Um, uh, as district superintendent of the uh, uh, 92 congregations across South Texas uh, worshiping uh, together this morning, that I do bring you greetings on behalf of them. And uh, I've seen a lot of that territory in the last six weeks, but I have a whole lot more to cover. And uh, I do uh, ask for your continued prayers. Uh, much of what uh, I've been doing is just part of the territory that... Uh, that is encouraging and helpful to get out and be with pastors and see how our churches are doing. And uh, Julie and I have worshipped in a, in a different uh, church every Sunday for the last several weeks, and uh, it's been a, a blessing to be with those congregations. Uh, there's also some things that come up from time to time um, in this role that require an extra amount of uh, grace and wisdom, and uh, facing some of that right now, and just ask for for the prayers of my church family, because uh, unless something's happened that I don't know about, I'm still a member here, and, uh, and uh, cherish that, and, um, and thank you uh, for that today. As we are in the search for a new pastor, I have met uh, once with the church board as district superintendent, and we've formulated uh, what we're just calling a search team, and that's comprised of both board members and some members who are not on the board and uh, the process that they're going through is to take a look at possible candidates that I present, to look at uh, possible candidates that uh, come through uh, the congregation of the church board, and we take a look at that, and uh, we uh, eye contact uh, different ones and see if they're willing to let their name be a part of this process, and if they're open to God's leadership and any possibility of that. So we have several candidates that, uh, that are being considered right now and that we're praying praying over and taking a look at their situations and they're praying about it. That's not a list that we're going to publish uh, for you. We need to protect these people and where they're ministering right now. And, uh, but uh, the, as the process goes along, God is going to guide. He's going to lead. We believe that, don't we? And uh, so let's just continue doing, as uh, John said earlier, uh, let's, let's pray for, for that next pastor uh, even today that God will bless them and lead them to us. I want to talk to you today about the, just the essentials of uh, the church family and church body and, and look again at a, at a scripture that needs to be familiar to, uh, to all Christians, to all churches, and that's in Acts chapter 2. 
in uh, the last few verses of that, uh, of that passage um, that uh, remind us uh, what church is really all about. There's a little story that, uh, that happened uh, in a church in Tennessee a few years ago when we lived there that, that uh, some of you might remember. Uh, at the time, uh, a boy named Cody was about five years old, and he happened to be sitting in, in the church uh, service that day uh, with his family. And uh, they'd gone through all the music, and they were a few minutes uh, into the sermon time, and, and Cody was kind of restless, and he asked his dad for a, a paper and, 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 and a pen, and his dad uh, found that, probably had to ask his mom for it, but he found that, and, and he began to, Cody began to draw a little bit, and then, uh, and then he started uh, elbowing his dad and, and whispering to him and, and saying, to his dad, he said, I, I, I want to write, I love God. How do, how, and, you know, how do I write that? And so his dad helped him, and he, he kind of wrote that out, and he kind of copied it, and went on a little bit of time, went on a little more time, went on, and, and he said, how do I write, I love church? And so his dad helped him, and he wrote, I love church out, and he, he copied that down. And then just a few seconds later, he said to his dad, okay, how do you write, but it's boring? <laughs> and um, as I read through the book of Acts, and especially the beginning part of it in uh, Acts chapter 2, it, it appears to me that the early church was anything but boring. It was not boring at all to be a part of that uh, early church fellowship. And we find that in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 where it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. And they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in their homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. If you're a true uh, believer and follower of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you are a part of His church. You're a part of the church the church universal, the church around the world that, that is, does, it doesn't make a difference what age you are, what race you are, what gender you are, what country, what nation you live in. All of those boundaries are, are not primary in, in the church of Jesus Christ. But our experience of, of that church, even though you're a part of this church that includes millions if not billions of people, your primary experience of that, my primary experience of that great church is through a local church, a church like Houston First Church of the Nazarene that gathers for worship in this place in this time. And that's where we're connected to this great church of Jesus Christ. And the description of the, of the early church that we've read here gives us the, the key components of what the church ought to be about and what it ought to look like even in this place and among you and the first element of that is unity if you want to know what to pray for what to pray for in 
in this season of the church, pray for unity. Pray for unity. Jesus prayed for his disciples, and he prayed for us. He prayed for his church. You can read about it in John's Gospel, 14 through 17. And Jesus prayed there, and he prayed this. He said, Father, I pray that they all may be one. That they all might be one. Well, there's a lot of differences here this morning. Not everybody looks the same. Not everybody comes here this morning with the same things on your mind. Not everybody has the same interests. Not everybody has the same talents, gifts, and abilities. Not everybody has the same backgrounds. What do we have in common? We have these things that should never waver. We have this in common, that we come this morning in reverence and fear and in honor of Almighty God. And that we believe in Him as our Creator and as our loving Heavenly Father who makes Himself known to us and exists as God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And He sent His Son, Jesus, to earth. And He sent Him. He was born of a virgin. He suffered and He died and He rose again and He's exalted and sits at the right hand of the Father and He's promised to return and He's made His presence known even here this morning. As we worship together, he's made his presence known as you got ready today through the presence of his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the, the one who today brings us into the presence of God and he brings us the benefits of the saving work of Christ that he accomplished on the cross. To those of us who believe, those of us who gather here today, we unite together with other believers. We submit ourselves to to the hand of God, we submit ourselves to spiritual authority under God's word and we seek to live a Christ-like life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we believe that God will judge the world and he will receive his own according to his time and his plan at the end of the age. Unity. Unity is what we're looking for. Unity in essentials. Unity in the things that we just talked about, the things that matter the most, the things that are clearly spoken about in Scripture. Unity is what we're looking for, not uniformity. There's a difference, you know. We're, we're going to have our differences. And one of the most powerful realities, one of the most powerful evidences of, of God's presence in His church and a, of the dynamic of, of grace through Jesus Christ is when people from the outside look at the church and they see a group of people who obviously are not all the same and who don't all operate the same or all think the same, and they look at us and they see somehow there's a supernatural unity that crosses all of those other lines and boundaries, something that you can't find apart from Christ. And so we need to celebrate the fact that God brings us together and we share this common life, we share these common beliefs, and that's what holds us together in all kinds of times of transition and change. There's a, there's a, a verse of, of Scripture, a passage of Scripture that the Apostle Paul wrote to, in his letter to the Ephesians that, that speaks to us about this unity. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at, at verse 4. And I want you to read it with me. We have it there. I want you to read this with me and we, as we think about our unity together. For there is one body... And one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. We have that as our unity this morning. One Lord, one faith, one God and Father over all and through all. And he hears all of us today. Our unity centers around something uh, very important, just as we've read a portion of today, and that's, that's God's Word. Uh, I was reminded this week of a, of a story from um, a, a long-time friend of mine, and uh, uh, his name is, is Wayne, and when he was in uh, about 6th or 7th grade, the church he was going to in a small town was, uh, was having a Sunday school contest. Some of us don't have any clue what that means. Um, but uh, the, the church, you know, they traditionally met every Sunday morning for Sunday school, both children, teens, and adults, and classes. And, and in those days, a lot of times there was a push for, for bigger attendance and, and motivation for that, and a contest is a way to do that. And so the news was given out on on a Sunday, and Wayne heard it that, that the next Sunday, whoever brought the most guests to Sunday school would win a prize and be recognized by the church. And the only qualification for that guest was somebody who wasn't present that Sunday. So anybody that, anybody that wasn't here on the Sunday when they made this announcement, if you got them to come to, to Sunday school the next week, you could win a prize. And so uh, Wayne was excited about that, but as the week went along, he forgot about it, and come Sunday morning, he had invited and brought no one. But just as he was walking into the church, he saw another junior high age uh, person, uh, a girl that he had knew full well that she was not at church last Sunday. And so he said to her, will you say this morning that you are my guest? She agreed to that. They went to Sunday school. Lo and behold, nobody else had brought a guest. <laughs> he was the prize winner. And that was established by the Sunday school teacher. They finished Sunday school. They went into church. And uh, those who had won in their different classes were called up front in front of the church by the pastor to receive their gift. And so you, will, you would know that when Wayne's name was called and he came and walked up front that his parents were surprised <laughs> that uh, he was a, a winner in this contest. And uh, do you know what his gift was, what his prize was for, for winning uh, his part of that contest, what he received that morning? He received a Bible. A Bible. A couple of days later, Wayne uh, was overcome with uh, guilt, and he, uh, he went up to the church and, and asked to see the pastor, and uh, he had that Bible that he had won with him, and uh, when he got in presence of the pastor, he was so overcome, he started to cry, and you know, there's sometimes you cry, and you just have, you just kind of tear up. And, and sometimes you cry, and it's kind of that ugly cry. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, the, the bottom lip gets moving, and eventually stuff's not just coming out of your eyes. It's coming out of other places and that kind of stuff. And he was overcome, and he's just, 
just crying and, and he confesses to his, uh, to his false um, winning of this contest and, and he, he stands up and he reaches out and starts to hand the, the Bible back to the pastor and the pastor says to him, you know what, son, you keep that Bible <laughs> and you read that Bible <laughs> and we'll see if your heart uh, can overcome these things. The essence of our unity is found in the Word of God. The Word of God is the foundation for all our preaching and our teaching. And, and that task does fall first to the pastors, and then to teachers, and then to all of us. And, and it's a daunting task for, for, for pastors, isn't it, Pastor Michelle, to stand up and, uh, and deliver the Word of God. And so whoever is preaching before you, you need to, to pray for that person and that they've been charged with preaching the truth and preaching something that we believe is not just a, a written account, but we believe it's alive in its power and it's dynamic to inform our lives today. And that a pastor's given the task not to, not to please the audience, not just to enjoy your favor, but a pastor's given the task to deliver the Word of God to challenge you to live your life for the glory of God and according to the truth of His Word. And so you, you need to pray that your pastors in the interim time will be faithful uh, to, be, to, to the Word of God and pray that they'll be faithful first and then, and then pray that they'll be interesting. That's all right. Pray, pray that they'll be interesting second. You know, you don't want to call them uh, in the middle of the night and wake them out of a dead sleep and say to them, you know, Pastor, uh, I just can't sleep. And I was wondering if you could preach to me a little bit. Because, <laughs> because that always seems to help. Yeah, I mean, that's not what we're going for. <laughs> In our teaching, the church must be about teaching the Word of God. We are called one to another to equip believers with an understanding of Scripture, and right doctrine and thinking, and also how to apply the truth of God's Word into our lives. Teaching that affects how we live, not just what we say we believe. And if we fail to do that, we're failing to fulfill the commission and commandment that God has given to us. It's not that we're seeking all to be a bunch, of, a bunch of highbrow scholars, but we're all seeking to be followers that know who we are following and what that means and what he says to us. Unity, God's Word, those were things that they were centering their, their church around and what God is calling us to center this church around. And then fellowship. Now, fellowship is a word that I'm just going to say it's probably a tired word. It might be one of the most overused and abused words uh, in the church. And usually when we think of fellowship, we, a lot of times we think about coffee and donuts or, or cookies or potluck dinners or just, just getting together and just chatting about whatever's going on in our lives. And and that's definitely a part of it, and that's a part of it that I enjoy a whole lot, especially the donuts. But the true meaning of 
fellowship, and the Greek word being one that many of you have heard in the church, koinonia, the, the true meaning of that is, is a, it's a whole lot deeper, and it speaks to us about what keeps believers connected on a much greater level than just Sunday morning conversations, than just meet and greet, than just talking about the weather or ball games or that type of thing. It means, it means two primary things. It means fully, devotedly loving one another. And when we love one another, it's expressed in ways where we, we bear each other's burdens, we build each other up, and we recognize that we can achieve together what we could never do alone. Do you realize that today? Do you really realize some of you are very capable people and you're confident and you, you know that you have some intelligence and some wisdom and some gifts and abilities and even you're thankful for that, but do you recognize, do we all recognize today that we can achieve together what we could never do alone? Several years ago, Julie and I were at a, uh, a banquet. One of those banquets, I'm, I'm sure it was a fundraiser of some kind. And, um, I mean, why else would you go to a banquet? And, uh, and then, you know, and I'm pretty sure we were eating some chicken and some vegetables that weren't cooked very long. And, uh, which, I mean, somehow the, the banquets I go to are never catered by Cracker Barrel. The, the vegetables always come out just, I like vegetables that have been cooked, like with butter and sugar. Is that, is that, you know, and somehow at these banquets, they just don't come out that way. We're one of these banquets, and we've, we've been through the meal and the conversation with the table of eight around us, and now we're, we're listening to a speaker, and the speaker was good, and, and every time he would say something that was kind of stirring, the, the, the people in the banquet would respond with applause, and I noticed at this table just over to our left, there was this couple sitting, sitting close to one another, uh, you know, their chairs right up against each other, and when everybody else would clap, the lady over here would put out her right hand and the man would put out his left hand and they would go. <laughs> and the first time I saw that, I thought, okay, that's kind of cute. And, and then after it went on, I'm kind of like, ah, this is cheesy now. <laughs> I mean, please. You know, yeah, give it a break. And I'm nudging Julie, look, look at this over here. And that, is, that, is that not a little bit much? So I didn't feel so good after dinner when we stood up and I looked over at that couple and uh, as the, the man, as the wife helped her husband put his sport coat on to notice that his right sleeve was empty. So the only way he was going to clap was with his wife. We can always achieve more together than we can alone. And we need to sense that and feel that, that together as a church, where I lack, somebody else can come alongside. And together we can do things for the glory of God and the blessings of others. Second part of this fellowship and how it's demonstrated is in accountability and discipline. Neither word is a word that most of us just immediately gravitate to. 
Accountability and discipline sound kind of hard. Sounds like effort, and sometimes it sounds like, well, that means I might get corrected. I might recognize or have to admit that, that I might have done something wrong or I might not be looking at something in the way that I should. We'd rather put in words like support and encouragement. And certainly that is a part of what fellowship is, but, but we've got to be in the kind of relationship with each other that brings about behavior that shows a difference between those of us that know Christ and those that do not. Not in order to lift ourselves up, but to point to Him and to say, this is the, the one, this is the, this is the source of our power, this is the source of love and grace in our lives. And too often what we do is we confuse love with just blind permissiveness. And we're afraid to remind one another what the Word says and what Jesus wants and expects from us. Craig Barnes is a pastor in Washington, D.C. area. And uh, one of his books, he, he talks about when he was a child and uh, he, um, his, uh, his dad, who was a pastor, brought home a 12-year-old boy named Roger. And Roger's parents had just recently died of a drug overdose. And there wasn't really anybody, it seemed, around that was going to be able to care for Roger and take him in. So, so Craig's folks decided they would raise Roger as one of their own sons. And um, Craig said at first it was, it was really difficult for Roger to adjust to the new home. It was an environment so much different than what he was used to because he was used to living in an environment uh, of, of heroin addicts and all the craziness that, that went along with that. And, and he said every day, several times a day, he said, I would hear my dad say to Roger, now, Roger, that's, that's not how we behave in this house. That's not how we behave in this family. Now, Roger, you, you don't have to scream and yell or fight or hurt other people to get what you want or what you need in this family. Hey, Roger, wait a minute now. We expect you to show respect in this family. Craig said over time, Roger began to change. And his life began to take a different shape. And he reflected on, and he said, on that and he thought this, did, did Roger have to make all those changes in order to become a part of our family? And the answer was no. My parents made him a part of the family simply by the goodness and grace in their hearts. They just took him in. But then as time went on, did he have a lot of work to do because he was a part of that family? Absolutely. He said it was, it was tough for, for him to change, and he had to, he had to apply himself, and he had to work at it, but he was motivated by the love he was receiving from that family. And he began to develop a sense of gratitude for their goodness towards him. We all have a, hard, a lot of uh, hard work to do in God's family. And we should all recognize that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has given us the opportunity to be adopted 
into the family of Jesus and to give us his grace every day. But it's not that we're earning that. Instead, it's that he's teaching us and loving us and caring for us and bringing us together so that he can say to us at times, now wait a minute, that's not how we act in this family. Wait a second. We show respect in this family. We recognize that we're loved and we care. That's who we are. Unity, God's word, fellowship. And what we call in the church the sacraments were a key component in that early church. Sometimes these are called in some places in the church, they're, they're called ordinances, which sounds really legal because it does carry with it the, the weight or meaning like there's an oath or a pledge where you, you affirm faith or allegiance in something. There's two basic sacraments for us where we celebrate the mystery and reality of God's grace. Baptism. And one of my prayers for this church is that is that in the days ahead, God will, will bring a pastor here to lead you, and you will see more lives transformed by the grace of God and more people welcomed into the family of God and become a part of his kingdom than this church has ever seen in its history. I would love for the, the record of that to be first demonstrated in the number of people coming into the waters uncovered here and be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to go down in those waters and to come back up just as so many of you have been to say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I've committed my life to him and he's changed my life. It's what baptism's all about. Not a greater celebration. And then what we often call communion or the Lord's Supper. Sometimes it seems just like a ritual where where. Small pieces of bread and a small cup are passed and we know we're supposed to do this. But really we should look at it as a celebration of God's grace every time we do it. And it should be a unifying celebration of God's grace. And something that unifies us and brings us together where we recognize our oneness in Christ that all of us come before him with a repentant, humble heart and say, Lord, I need your grace. And Lord, I celebrate today that you'd offer, you've offered me your grace, and I get to receive it along with all of these other people here today. And we are one in you. And then the final aspects of, of key components of worship, which we've done here today, to pray and to worship. And the key thing that we need to remember about worship, it's not just about music. It's not just about what's shown on the screen. It's not just about what is said from, from this stage. The key component of worship is that it is God-centered. That it's not about me. And that we need the power of God and the presence of his Holy Spirit. And we want to see his kingdom advance in ways we've never seen and known it before. 
And so I pray today that you will continue to go forward and say, Lord, every time we gather together, would you help us to have truly God-centered worship where we're drawn into your presence and we're changed because of it. I felt it would be a very, very good thing for us today to, to share together in communion, to celebrate God's grace and to celebrate and ask for God to make us one and to unify us. So as the servers come forward now and you receive these elements, I want to remind you, you don't have to be a member of this church to receive. Just be someone who has a humble heart before the Lord and you seek His grace and you identify with Him today. As they pass the elements, I want you to take the, the bread and hold it, take the cup and hold it, and we'll receive the elements together. Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said to them, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. If you've received these elements and, and once you do, would you just bow your heads? Close your eyes for a moment. Just think about the grace of God in your life. And all that means. All that he's done for you. What he offers you today. And remember this about grace. Grace doesn't come out of obligation. Grace comes out of a heart offering love, even where it's not deserved. Think about His love for you today goodness in your life. Think about the opportunity he's given you to know him, to know his peace that the world can't give. Think about the fact that he's given you the opportunity to share in that grace with, with his body, the church. And 
he can bring us together and unify us to accomplish more than we ever could on our own. Now together let us take the bread and remember that Jesus' body was broken for us and how much he loves us. Take and eat. been said that the world drinks to forget, but followers of Jesus drink to remember. And today we remember gratefully that Jesus shed his blood for us, and that can wash away our sins. Take and drink and remember he shed his blood for you. Lord, I pray that you will make us one, just as the Father, Son, and Spirit are one, that you unify our hearts to, to know what it is to trust in your word, to come together to bear each other's burdens and encourage one another and hold each other up in prayer and speak to one another the truth in love and to remember Lord remember what you've done for us and to seek to celebrate that every opportunity we get Lord I thank you for this church and I thank you that your plans for for the future of this church and for every person gathered here today. Your plans for them are good. And we hold to that today. And Lord, we are thankful today for your great love for us. Draw us close to you and bind us together. Lord, I thank you for these people. I pray your great blessing upon them. love I have for them, Lord, I know is, is so small compared to the love you have for them. And that humbles me today, but it also makes me grateful and so hopeful for the future. Bless us today, your church, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. Let's stand together.